I just feel like you get me. Like you really understand me. You're not like all those other girls. I'm willing to come 90 if you just come the other 10. You complete me. I know that we can make this work. I just have all these warm, fuzzy feelings. You're 100% real. You're like a box of chocolates, except you're not a box of chocolates. I think I love you. This is so much more than a feeling. Sorry, little air guitar this morning. How is everybody? Good, I want to welcome both of our campuses this morning. If you're worshiping with us at Noonan or if you're worshiping with us at LaGrange, I want everyone together to give a collective yell. Ready, go. That's awesome. It's great to be together. I'm so excited. This is week three of our series. I can't believe we just got to play that song. I mean, listen, I took my wife shopping for a little bit yesterday. We went and bought some clothes and stuff, getting ready for summer. And I said, honey, I just feel like we need to play some Boston. And so I put it on the Bluetooth and I'm rocking the Honda Pilot with some Boston. I'm like, yes, it was awesome. I'm so excited that you're here. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm excited you're here. Okay, good. You say, he's very emotional this morning. It is. I'd like to thank coffee and I'd like to thank my mom for getting me here. Okay. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 22, Matthew 22. We're in this series called Sweet Emotion. And as you can tell, there's a lot of emotions we face in our life. I've talked about it the first week that for some of us, we think that a lack of emotion is a good thing. And for some of us think we think an explosion of emotion is a good thing. And we've really learned that both can be bad. I mean, emotions in and of themselves are not a bad thing. We're going to talk about that real deeply today. Uh, But the thing I think that we talked about that I think we've got to land on is that emotions really can determine the direction of our lives. They really can. I mean, everything from how you use your personality to how you interact with people to how you choose to interview for a job to how you relate to your friends at school, whatever phase of life you're in, your emotions have a powerful way of determining the direction of your life. And we've been learning about the differences between how we feel and what is true. Like I almost tweeted out this morning to all of you, how do you feel today? And then I was going to scratch and say, no, what is true today? Because we learn that sometimes we feel ways that aren't even true. And so last week we talked about this big idea that Paul told us in Ephesians about how we've got to operate in our new self, that what that means is in Christ Jesus, we have the opportunity through the Holy Spirit to operate in a new self. Like we can put our past away and we can operate in a new self. And I don't know about you, as as we go through this series, I think one of the things that I'm tempted to do after the first two weeks is to say, yeah, here's the goal. I just got to get a hold of me. Like, I just got to get myself right, right? And so if I get myself right, everything in my world will be right. Not true. (laughs) Because the truth is that there are probably greater emotions that we're going to deal with 
that have a way of trickling down and affecting other emotions in our lives. And so we're going to spend the last two weeks kind of diving into some of those emotions and then talking about how God wants us to land this plane in our life and live with emotions the right way, the right way. So I don't know if you've noticed this. Have you noticed that when it comes to our emotions in our world, we now have a new way of sharing our emotions? I mean, technology has opened this incredible door for us of how to share our emotions. Like, you know, used to, you would put little phrases and little acronyms on love notes. Like, I remember, I know this is like a notebook moment for me, so you just got to endure it, okay? When my mom passed away a few years ago, my dad had passed away two years before of Alzheimer's. And one of the things I didn't know is they had saved all the love letters that my dad had written to my mom when they were dating. They were, they were married 61 years. And so I sat there at the funeral home looking at my mom and, 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 and seeing her lying in the casket and I'm reading these letters that my dad wrote to her and at the end of every letter, my dad would use this acronym. It just kind of freaked me out. SWAC, sealed with a kiss. Yeah, my dad was a great lover, okay? I mean, he loved my mom. And I'll never forget, we stuck those stacks of those love notes and we stuck it in her casket. And I thought, wow, what a cool way to share that you love someone when you're in your young teens, early 20s, just to say, swack, I want to seal you with a kiss, baby. And so in America nowadays, so don't act like this hadn't existed forever, we have a lot of new things. Like with technology, we now have emojis. Okay? Like if our words about our feelings towards one another aren't good enough, We've now come up with the symbols that represent how I might feel about you, okay? So I want to put one of these pictures on screen real quick. This is kind of how the emoji world works, okay? Some of you are looking at this. You need to guess what song this is. Now, this is a story about how my life got turned upside down. Now, I'd like to take <laughs> sit right here. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a place called Bel Air. Give it up. All right, you're pretty good. You're pretty smart. Some of you go, wow, do people really sit around and do this? Yes, this itself has caused us great productivity in the business world. We now have emojis to try to express our feelings toward our emotions and our world. And then we have acronyms. Now, acronyms are good. We have LOL, which means laugh out loud, BFF, which means... Yeah, in a term that I find very weird, we have a term called bae. She's my bae. All right, so we don't always understand what this word bae means. So I want to show you a quick, for those of you that don't understand, I want to show you a quick instructional video about how you can interpret bae. Okay, watch this if you would. If you've been living in the world for the past couple of years, you've probably heard the word bay before. Usually as in saying things like, I love bay more than I love Chipotle. I'm a huge idiot. Me and bay watching Netflix. Hashtag binge. Uh-oh, bay caught me slipping. I'm in big trouble now. I don't have anything else going on in my life. Unknown to the general populace, bay is actually an acronym. If you don't know what an acronym is, dear sweet beautiful Gandhi, you need to do some Googling. Bay actually stands for 
before anyone else. This may be because today's youth, ergo teenagers, form romantic relationships and then lose contact with the actual world. Then they begin to believe that that person that they're in a relationship means more than anything else in the entire world. They have no idea that they inevitably will probably break up with them, or they will be broken up with. Then they get sad. That's because life is kind of like a Disney movie sometimes, sadder than you'd expect. But there are appropriate times to refer to someone as bae. Now, if you found yourself with a bae, there are a few necessary steps to make this relationship solid. For instance, social media. You need to take as many selfies with bae as humanely possible. I need to see so many photos taken that people are going to start to think that you no longer have a job, you quit your entire life, and they think all you do is grand. Gram, 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 no matter what. Got gramming on your mind, you just can't get enough. And when you post these photos, you have to, I mean have to, use the hashtag back. That way your haters, who by the way should always be your motivators, know that you claim that person. Social media is one of the most important things while having a bae because your internet profile is kind of like having a nice car. Yeah, it may look nice on the outside, but bae might spill her jamba juice on the inside, but at least your friends won't know. Because everybody knows nothing real or true goes on the internet. So, in conclusion, having a bay is a gift as well as a curse. Bay itself is a possessive term. Treat bay wisely. Please, just treat bay wisely. Do it for me. For me. And at the end of the day, my number one rule about bay is to not let her know about your other bays. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I was looking at that, I thought, in our world, we have a really hard time communicating the emotion of love. And so we come up with acronyms like, you're my bae. And so I really came up with this profound thought. This is very Shakespearean. The real answer is this, to bae or not to bae, okay? Look at your 14-year-old and say, honey, the real question is, you're not going to bae, okay? There's no bae in your life but me and your mom bae, okay? So this whole idea about emotions and love is a real intense issue. In fact... I want to say this to you today. Many times what we do with love is we make it just a feeling. We make it just a feeling. It's like, I feel like I love you, all right? So what am I so afraid of? I'm afraid of, some of you know exactly where I'm going, okay? Some of you children are going, what in the world is he doing, okay? That was like Partridge Family rap, okay? We were talking in the moment, but the thing is, is we make love We reduce it to a feeling. And when we reduce it to a feeling, many times we reduce it to something that God never wanted us to reduce it to. In fact, I want to say it this way. When we reduce love to a feeling, it will affect every other emotion in our life. When we reduce it to a feeling, it will affect every other emotion we have in life. I want you to think about that for a second. Last week, we shared... Two weeks ago, we shared that how we handle our emotions has a profound impact and will guide or divide every relationship we have in life. It will. How we handle our emotional life will guide or divide every relationship we have in life. Why is that? Here's why. Because all intimacy in relationships, all intimacy in relationships is built on our ability to communicate our emotions. So think about it. Think about love for a second. If we don't learn how to rightly communicate and know what real love is emotionally, think about how that can affect every single relationship we have in life. So when it comes to love, we've got to get it right. Because if we don't, it will mess with everything in our life. In fact, I want to say this to you. In life, all of us have what I call keystone habits 
and keystone emotions. What does a keystone habit? Some of you, your keystone habit is you, you go to a certain restaurant on a certain day and you eat the same meal every day and you say, you know what? I feel better. I know that my life is different because I go to Chipotle on Tuesday, okay? And that's good for you. That maybe is a keystone habit. You know, for me, a keystone habit could be anything from every day I try to set out my running shoes to remind me I should go for a run, okay? A keystone habit can be anything, but do you realize in your life there are also keystone emotions? What does the word keystone mean? The word keystone means is that one thing has a trickle-down effect and may affect four or five other things in your life. And when it comes to love, listen, love is a keystone emotion, that can affect every other emotion in our lives. So we better get it right. Is it just a feeling or is it more than a feeling? How many of you have ever heard this term? Well, I used to love him and I used to love her, but we fell out of love. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that term before, okay? I heard people say all the time, say, I know we've been married for 50 years, but we just don't feel like we love each other anymore. And I asked the question, I asked the question, is love a feeling or is it more than that? It is a keystone emotion in our life that we better get right because it will affect every other emotion. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 3, 17 and 18. Here's the profound impact love can have on us. Listen to what he says. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Now that doesn't sound like a feeling to me. It says being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of of Christ. Paul said, I want you to be established and rooted in love so you can understand God's love. So we're talking about this emotion, right? You know, I had someone ask me this a week or two ago, does God have emotions? The answer is yes. God has emotions. I know some of you go, God doesn't have emotions. He's up there and he doesn't feel anything. He's God. No, listen, God has emotions. Look all in Scripture. Scripture tells us over and over and over again the different emotions that God has. Did you know in Scripture the Bible says God hates? Did you know in the Bible it says that God has compassion? Did you know in the Scripture it says that God even grieves? But it also says that God rejoices. And when you go back and you think about that, here's the question you've got to ask. If God has emotions and we are created in the image of God, then maybe we need to learn something from one keystone emotion that God has that can change everything. Because even though God hates, God has compassion, God grieves and God rejoices and many other emotions you find in scripture, there's one emotion that God expresses that trumps them all. You know what emotion that is? Love. Let me tell you why. Because every one of those other emotions is secondary to God's first emotion, which is love. You know why God hates sin? Because he loves you. You know why God has compassion? Because he loves the world. You know why God hates injustice? Because he loves people. So think about it. Love is one of those emotions that can drive every other emotion in our life. So look at Matthew 22 real quick. I want to set up the story for you. 
There were some Pharisees that decided they wanted to trap Jesus. It was at that point in his ministry where they realized that Jesus wasn't going to go away and that what he was talking about was literally creating a revolution with the people. And so they set out and said, okay, here's our goal, guys. We're going to go out and we're going to follow Jesus around and we're going to wait for him to slip. And when he slips, we're going to have that aha moment where we catch him and we go, aha, Jesus, see, you're a false prophet. Aha, Jesus, you're not really who you say you are. Aha, Jesus, you don't really, you're not really of God. You're of Satan. I mean, they were looking for opportunities. So the Bible says there's this one moment in Matthew 22 where the Pharisees realized they weren't going to catch him on the small stuff. So they did what any smart Pharisee would do. They called in the heavy hitter. They called in the heavy theologian and said, listen, I want you to go ask Jesus a question. And when you ask him the question, we're going to catch him in his error and we're going to do it publicly and we're going to let everyone know that he's not who he says he is. So the Bible tells us in Matthew 22, verse 34, this is what Jesus said. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then in verse 40, look what he says. He says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You say, well, I've heard that before. What what does it have to do with the emotion of love? Here's what it has to do. Here's what Jesus said. You take everything I've commanded you, You take everything I've told you, everything that I've told you that that I'm about and you're about and that I want you to be about, and I want you to reduce it down and I want you to extrude it out, and there's only one thing that every commandment's about, love. Love. Every commandment. You see, love has a keystone effect. Here's what he was saying. The chief thing that God is after is love. Some of you go, that's not true. I've been told in my life, God wants obedience. I must obey. I must check all the boxes. I must cross the T's. Hey, hey, I got to do these things. I got to jump the hurdles. No, 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 no. Listen, the chief thing God's after is love. And some of you go, well, that blows up my works mentality because I think somehow I've got to earn my way closer to God and I've got to work harder and faster and stronger. And God, it's like Jesus said here, let, let me clear the table for you. Because when he asked that question, which is the greatest of all these commandments? Jesus was pretty clear. Here's what he said. Love the Lord. Love the Lord. Irreducible minimum, right? That is it. Like he extruded it. It's like, this is it. And he said, love the Lord. Love the Lord. You see, we've been taught God wants us to follow us a bunch of rules, regulations, get it all together, make it all right, perform well, act right. And somehow Jesus said something profound that blew all that up. He said, love the Lord. Love him. I mean, I read that and I think, wow, what is it that God wants? God wants love. 
You say, well, God must be really needy. No, God doesn't need that type of love. Here's why God's not that way, because God is love. And it's not something that God just feels. It's something that God is. Everything points to love, and everything points from love. And here's what he was saying. You want to know what the greatest commandment is? Love God with everything. Here's how I started to think about it in my life. When I love God with everything, every other emotion in my life will benefit. Every. It changes my whole emotional makeup. Why? You say, because I'm no longer focused just on myself. You see, Jesus said it this way. He said, love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said, love your neighbors yourself. That must mean that I probably come third or fourth in the equation. But here's what we do when it comes to our emotions. We think if we can get focused on our self-emotions, that somehow that will have a keystone effect, and it won't. Jesus said, I want you to take it down to one simple thing. God wants everything. He wants us to love him with everything. Listen, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything. Everything. You see, when love is only a feeling... We fracture its power in our lives because our feelings change. But the truth of who God is never changes. It's more than a feeling. It's more than something I can fall in and fall out of. Suddenly, it takes on a whole new dimension. It's almost like it becomes a a center point in my life. Because why? Feelings are self-driven, but love is others-driven. Isn't it amazing that Jesus said the second commandment is almost like the first? That if you love, well, here's what we try to do, though. We try to love others before we really love God. I mean, that's kind of putting things backwards a little bit. Like, I really love you, and so I want to love you from my feelings, or I want to love you from my emotions. And God says, hey, why don't, you, why don't you turn the equation around? Why don't you love me first with everything, and then see how much easier it is to love your neighbor as you love yourself? I just think it was a cool moment in Scripture. Can you imagine how profound the Pharisees and the Sadducees saw Jesus' response? Like, oh boy, (laughs) we can't answer that one. (laughs) Guys, y'all got to come back because I don't have a comeback for that one. (laughs) Jesus was so clear. He just said, hey man, love me with everything. What Jesus says also shows us God's emotion towards us. Think about it. If God is saying to you and me, the thing that can change every other emotion in our life is for us to love him first, What does that say about who God is? Wouldn't it make sense that the creator of the universe would want the one thing that is the essence of who he is? He's love. It shows us his motive. Now, we we suddenly understand John 3.16 a lot better when it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 
I mean, that word so is so small, and yet it's so profound. He could have left it out. But he wanted to make sure you and I understand it. It's a keystone emotion. And it's a keystone emotion for God, and it probably should be a keystone emotion for us. What is God's motive? Love. What does God want more than anything else? Love. He's not after our perfection. (laughs) He's not after us getting it all right so he can look and say, hey, today you get an A+. He says, I want you to get this one emotion right because when you do, you will be profoundly impacted by how it will affect every other area of your life. See, here's the truth. Love becomes more than an emotion when it becomes our motive. Think about that. It becomes more than a feeling when it becomes our motive. God's motive for love is he loved the world. And he loves you and he loves us and and he cares about humanity and he wants to have a relationship with us. But love becomes more than a feeling when it becomes our motive. God's motive, love. Not perfection, love. Not trying to push everyone down and make everyone comply. Love. You see, as a parent, you probably get this, okay? Let me explain it this way. You tell your child to do something and you say, listen, I'm gonna tell you to do this one time. And you tell your child to do it and they come back and they do it, but they don't do it in love, right? The action's right. You say, clean your room. It's a very simple concept. Clothes were made to go in drawers. Beds were meant to be made. (laughs) Food should be taken to the trash, okay? I mean, you're like, there's only three or four things you gotta do, but but here's the deal. So your kid comes in and you say, listen, I'm gonna tell you one time, go clean your room. And you hear your kid in there and they're cleaning the room and they're knocking things over and you can hear they're mad, you know? I mean, they're singing other songs other than the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and all of a sudden they come back and they go, I'm done, Now, how many of you as a parent go, oh, I'm so thankful. (laughs) Oh, oh, how it feels when you do exactly what I want you to do. On the flip side, how much different as a parent do you feel when your 8-year-old or your 11-year-old or your 14-year-old goes in there and they go clean their room just because they know that you want them to do it. And they come back and you look and there's four or five things not done right. But they look at you in the eyes and they say, I did what you asked me to do. Listen, if you're the parent that walks in and says, are you kidding me? There's dust on this. (laughs) Listen, first of all, there's counseling for you, okay? (laughs) But I don't know any good parent in this room that wouldn't look at your child and throw your arms because you're not after perfection, you're after love. And that's what God says. He says there's this one emotion that if we get it in the right order, we will be profoundly moved by how it will change our motive because love becomes more than a feeling. It becomes our motive. So how do we do this? How do we make love more than a feeling? All right, how do we make it more than just some wild emotion? The first way is this. We've got to set love as the axis of our emotions. See, I've got a compass here. Go ahead and pull that screen up if you would. 
I'm sure some of you are much better at using a compass than I am. But I want to tell you, by the way, how many of you have a really good sense of direction? Like you just know which direction's what, okay? How many of you have a horrible sense of direction? I just want to, okay, I'm never riding with you, okay? <laughs> we'll get lost. Um, this compass can tell me a lot about where a lot of things are going. And the same is true in our life. Now, now here's what the needle is like. The needle to me is kind of like our feelings, right? So every feeling we have kind of like pushes us in another direction. Like I feel this way today. Okay, I don't, okay, okay. She said, yes, she wants to be my bae. So I'm over here. I'm feeling good. Okay, suddenly I'm no longer a bae. I'm not even a BFF and I'm LOLing. and, and, And so it's like, okay, it's like every emotion we have is like the needle, But the center point of this compass is the axis. Think of how different our emotional life would be if love was the axis to every other emotion. Somebody treats you bad and it's like, you know what? I know they're treating me bad, but love is my axis, not hate. You say, well, you're going to get run over by all the weird people. Listen, run over me. Okay, I died when I met Jesus anyway. The Bible says I'm crucified with Christ and I longer live, but Christ lives in me. Okay, so here's the deal. There ain't much of me left. But when love becomes my axis, whatever emotion comes in my life, suddenly the axis toward that emotion is what? Love. So you go, wow, Sean, that... That sounds, that sounds good. That's just not real practical, okay? Well, think about it this way. If love is only a feeling, we will always be swayed by the needle of our emotions. Always. And love can be the axis of our life and should be the axis of our life. You know, Paul to the church at Corinth was trying to explain this idea of love. And so in in 1 Corinthians 13, he blows out all these things. Love is patient. Love is kind. And and I don't know about you, but that's like something a 14-year-old writes in a love letter to a girl. You are patient. You are kind. And we almost look at it like, I just feel this way. Feel. And then you get down to verse 18, and it gets really real because here's what Paul says. He says, love never fails. Suddenly, 14-year-old romance and feelings are over. Because <laughs> God says there's something bigger. There's an axis for our emotions. And our lives will be profoundly impacted when the axis of our emotions is love. So some of you here, here's what you would say. You'd say, well, Sean, you know, a non-believer can set axis as love. I mean, some of you right now are quoting the Beatles, right? All you need is... (laughs) Oh, y'all sound like you've been at a melatonin convention. Come on. (laughs) All you need is... You say, hey, the world says that. I mean, share a Coke and a smile, right? I mean, all the world needs is love. And so we make love as our axis, blah, 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 blah. Listen, there's one other key point. It's not enough to just set love as our axis because love does never fail. We've got to let God be the true north of our life. You see, this this compass 
has an arrow that always points north. And for some of you, you look at this compass and you go, wow, why does it always point north? Because there is a geographical direction called true north. And here's what it means. It represents on a map and a globe all the lines of longitude and latitude. And everything comes from true north, but everything goes towards true north and focuses down from true north. And no matter how I turn this, no matter where the needle of my feelings go, even though love is the axis, if I know where true north is, it sets the direction for my life. That's really what Jesus was telling the Pharisees. He said, hey guys, love God with your heart, with your soul, with your mind, with your strength. Because when I know where true north is, every other direction in my life will be affected by that. I mean, I I know which way north is, so I know which way to go. And no matter how I'm turned around, no matter what life situation comes at me, God is the true north of my life. I mean, think about it. Think of how powerful love becomes in our life when it's more than a feeling. It's more than just an emotion we feel when we have a feeling towards someone. Suddenly, it becomes an axis And God becomes the true north of my love, and then suddenly every other part of my life is affected. I mean, I think of 1 John 4, 18. Look what it says. It says, perfect love drives out fear. I mean, that's just one of probably a thousand emotions. That when we get this one emotion correct, and we get it in the right direction, heading north, every other emotion will be affected. Would you bow your heads with me today? At both campuses, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to tell you this today. You know, God wants our emotions to be sweet. I mean, we've been doing this series called Sweet Emotion, and it's kind of a a paradox because sometimes we struggle so much emotionally. But God just doesn't want us to look at our emotions like, I've got to endure this to the end. He says, no, I want to I help you see a perspective about your emotions maybe you've never seen before because the world just wants us to put whatever axis in place to decipher our emotions. God says, I want you to put love in place. And then I want you to love me. And when you do that, every other part of your life will be affected. You see, he gave them to us so that we could live in a relationship with him and a relationship with others. Being affected in a profound, positive way. But I like how Jesus said it. He said, if you take everything that God wants and you extrude it down, the one thing he wants from every single person, love. Love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Don't fracture it. Don't make it just a feeling, you'll fracture it. I want you to love me with everything. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed at both of our campuses today. There are some of you here today, you have never entered into that type of a relationship with God. It's been the type of relationship where you wonder if God really loves you. I mean, today's clear, God's motive is love. And he wants our motive to be love. 
But today what he's waiting, he's waiting for you to engage in a relationship with him so that your life can be changed forever. Listen, at both of our campuses, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never committed your life to him as Lord and as Savior, you've never fully turned your life over to him, I want you to pray with me today and I want you to pray this prayer and pray it to God today. Just say, dear God, thank you for bringing me to this place. Thank you that you love me and that you have a great plan for my life. Jesus, today I ask you to come into my life, forgive my sin and be Lord and be savior in me. Jesus, I give you my life And I receive you in my heart as Lord and Savior today. Jesus, I want to love you with everything. Not with just one thing, not with just something, but everything. I give you my life today, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen.